I appreciate that, Glenn. Thank you for that support. All right. Well, I want to share with you just for a little bit here, not near as long as usual, I hope, uh, but uh, from the passage that I read in the book of Matthew chapter 2. There are notes for these, but I got them out a little late, so I won't blame you if you jump up and get them. Um, but Matthew chapter number 2. Can you believe that this year is almost over? I still feel like somebody stole a year from me in the early 2020s there. I, I don't know. It seems odd that it's, we're on the cusp of 2024. You know, what has 2023 been like for you? A lot of people face a whole lot of new hardship in 2023. Credit debt, uh, uh, credit card debts at an all-time high and things like that. It's hard for people all of a sudden. It, people are facing frustrations. There's, as we talked about this morning, there's fear uh, just surrounding it. seems like all the time there's just this spirit of fear. There's this, there's this pain. Maybe you face some loss. Uh, maybe you're dealing with anger. Uh, maybe you're caught up in the uncertainty and the wars and the rumors of wars and all that and some anxiety there. And all of that can bring about doubts and discouragement and even depression. It can bring about resentment and bitterness. It can give you a critical spirit, a cynical spirit. But as unique as all of this seems to us, as we mentioned this morning already, none of these circumstances are unusual to history. Uh, there's nothing new under the sun, as the Bible says. And what the devil is good at doing is the devil is a master at getting you to take your attention off of Christ and off of your relationship with Him and he does so by overwhelming you with circumstances and things that, that are, are surrounding you in life. He distracts you with things like your health, like your finances. A family can be a pretty a big distraction. Your career, the devil can use that to distract you from Christ. Politics, no, he doesn't, there's nothing going on there, right? There's no politics to worry about, no, none with security or the loss thereof. The devil uses those things to distract us from our relationship with Christ. All of those things are important issues. All of those things carry weight in our lives, but the trap is when we make them our focus. When we focus on those things, when we allow our thoughts and our emotions and our behavior to be fueled by and fixated on those temporary things that concern us about this life. Go back 2,000 years ago to the story of the visit of the Magi there in Matthew 2, and you'll discover that our circumstances have always kind of distracted us from Christ. And that's not a new thing. Even at the advent of His birth, the world was distracted from Christ. The shepherds witnessed a sky filled with the light of innumerable angels announcing the birth of the Savior, and they ran to find Him, as the Bible said, and there He was, just as the angel had promised. And when they found Him, what does it say they did next? It says they went abroad and spread the news. They told everybody they came in contact with that the Christ child had been born, and yet we don't hear about anyone else going to the manger. All we're told about is the shepherds. Long after the buzz of that angel-filled night in Bethlehem had faded away, and now Mary and Joseph had settled down into a home, into a house. Jesus is in his toddler years. We don't know exactly how old. And all of Israel 
is shaken by a visit from these kings from the east. They'd come to pay homage to the king of kings, the ruler whose reign would never end, and they, they had seen his star, and they traveled this way to present him with gifts and with worship. The caravan knew that the king had arrived, but they weren't quite sure where to find him. And so they reasoned that if a king of the Jews had been born, naturally Jerusalem is where we ought to find him. And so they came before Herod the Great, who was appointed king over the Jews by the Roman Empire. He wasn't a legitimate king. And they asked, where do we find this king? And the reaction of Jerusalem, I don't think, was quite the reaction that the wise men expected. Here they had been watching in anticipation of the coming of the King of Kings. And when all the signs were fulfilled indicating his arrival, they made their way to meet him. And for sake of time, I won't read that whole passage again. But they come to Jerusalem, they come to Herod, they are seeking the Savior. They sought him out. You know, it's been an interesting year, no doubt. I don't know what your year was like, but for many it's been a very interesting year. But the difference in your life doesn't really come out to uh, how well things worked out for you this year. The only thing that really makes a lasting impact in your day-to-day -day life and how you deal with the situations and circumstances is the state of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that really makes a lasting impact. You've probably heard the story of the wise men since you were a little child. So keep this in the forefront of your mind as I just review it for you. Are you seeking Christ? Are you seeking Christ? Maybe you don't really know Him all that well. Well, then seek Him and you can know Him and find Him. Maybe you do know Him, but even Christians can neglect their relationship with Him. Are you seeking Jesus Christ? So let's look at, first of all, some facets of their search. Some facets of their searching. Notice the recognition of his birth. The first facet of their searching is the recognition of his birth. These Gentile magi knew that the Christ, the Messiah, had been born because they were watching for their signs and they recognized the star. Where did they get the concept of a star from? They got it from Numbers 24, verse 17. It says, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. They knew the timetable. They had the book of Daniel. They probably did the math. But, and then when they saw the star, they put it all together, but they just weren't sure of his exact location. And so they went to Jerusalem. Notice, secondly, the response to their arrival. The response to their arrival. The city, Jerusalem, was unaware. They were completely unaware that this child had been born. I imagine that these men figured that Jerusalem would be a buzz. Our king has been born. The promised one is here. And when they got there, nobody knew what they were talking about. I, I expect that they came to Jerusalem expecting to find an easy was just business as usual. They had missed it. They had missed it. And the citizens were uneasy. Read the story again. 
What was Jerusalem's reaction to these kings that came from afar and asked him, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Anxiety. <laughs> well, they, they, were, they were not excited. The, the whole city was, was stirred up by this. Herod was afraid for his job. The birth of a king would undermine his leadership, and if the Jews got on board with this, it would cause an uprising. An uprising would cause problems with Rome. Rome would blame Herod. Herod would lose his job, and Herod was a paranoid individual. So Herod was not a happy camper. He was afraid for his job. And the Bible says that the Jews were troubled as well. The Jews liked the peace. They weren't happy with Rome, but they had peace. They had seen what happened when revolution was attempted before. It didn't go well. And now they see that Herod's going to be angry with this, and, and that's going to stir up his paranoia, and he's a wicked and cruel individual. They were happy with the status quo. And when these kings came and said, where is he that's been born king of the Jews? They were troubled by that. They were upset by that. You know, many don't seek the Savior because they're afraid of the changes that he might bring. They're comfortable with the status quo. Well, if, if I seek after Jesus, if, if, I, if, I really, if I really pursue Him as a Christian, or if maybe you don't know Christ, if I, if I trust in this Jesus, I, I'm just not sure where that's going to take me. I, I don't think I, I... There's some things that I don't want to change in my life. I'm kind of comfortable with what I'm doing right now. I, I don't want to have more expected of me or, or to be taken somewhere where I don't want to go. Listen, let me assure you that life with the Savior is far better than life without Him. And Christian, His way is not only better, it's the best and only way to live. All of a sudden, now in our world, we have these thoughts in the back of our mind, wow, Christianity, being a Christian might cost me something. It's not popular anymore. Like I said this morning, one in three American churchgoers in 2020 decided that church was no longer convenient and stopped going altogether and never came back. And now in our day, churchgoers are the minority in this country. From the founding, it's been the majority. All of a sudden, it's not the popular thing to do to be a Christian. And maybe you've let something slip in your own relationship with Christ because it's just not fitting in your schedule. The response to their arrival, they were not excited about this. They were anxious about this. But the religious had the answers. Where is he that's born king of the Jews? Herod gets the religious leaders together and they said, well, you know, let us have a council and we'll talk about that. And we'll get to back to you in about a day or so once we figure it out. They just quoted scripture. Oh, Bethlehem. Ephrata, that's, that's where he's going to be born. They had it right there in their Bibles, and they had the answer. Micah 5, verse 2 says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, it says that because there was more than one Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be realer in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. The religious leaders had the answer. When Herod asked them, where is he going to be born? They said, Bethlehem. And then you see the ruler's paranoia. Herod missed out on the promise. His only goal was, I need to wipe out all this opposition. I need to take care of this individual before this goes too far. And his only desire, his only desire was to kill this child. Think about this. Here was a royal caravan 
going to meet the Savior Himself, the King of Kings, the, the promised Messiah, and yet Herod and the religious leaders and all those that were there didn't go with them. The religious leaders said, He's in Bethlehem, but they didn't go. Herod said, Go and bring me word that I may worship Him also. But Herod didn't go either. They all missed it. He used the eagerness of the of the Magi to plan his own wickedness. They all sat there and heard the gospel and missed it. And missed it. And that leads me to the faith of the searchers. I want to point out just a couple of things, and you can ponder these yourself. The faith of the searchers. Notice, first of all, they journeyed without the star. star to reappear, it first had to disappear. You see that? They came to Jerusalem. Why? Because the star wasn't shining anymore. They saw the star, but on their way, which doesn't tell us exactly when, the star disappeared. And they went to Jerusalem asking, where should we go next? Yet, in spite of the absence of the star, they continued in the direction that God had shown them in the first place. I like what one preacher says. He says, never doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. When the star disappeared, they didn't go home. They kept on heading towards Israel and went to Jerusalem asking for directions. Faith requires us not to have all the answers and still trust the one that does. You don't always need a star to seek the Savior. You do need to keep heading in His direction. You don't always need the star. They journeyed without the star, and then they had joy at the return of the star. I think God uh, took the star away from a time so that these magi could be witnesses to Jerusalem that Christ had come. But then as they continued on their way, it says that the star appears and, and rests over the, uh, the place where the child was. And when it reappeared, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They had the joy of the Lord. They're, they had eagerly traveled hoping to meet and worship the Savior, the King, and they were supernaturally led by God to the Christ child. There's some that try to explain this away with science and, astro and astronomy and all that. But it doesn't really make much sense, does it, that a star would go away and come back and appear over just... It was a supernatural sign that God gave them. And these men rejoiced to see their dreams come true. The city was uneasy. The king was paranoid. But the wise men were rejoicing at the prospect of meeting the king of kings. Does the prospect of knowing your Savior better bring you that much joy? of drawing closer to Him, of His leading in your life? Does it bring you that much joy? And then we see they journeyed with gifts for the Savior. They journeyed with gifts for the Savior. They, in faith, brought gifts. They expected to find Him, didn't they? You don't bring presents to somebody you don't expect to find. And they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The gold for His royalty. The frankincense, His divinity. And the myrrh, His sufferings. The gift given as offerings, not just to a king, but to God. They journeyed with gifts, and they journeyed to worship the Savior. 
This was not a royal visit. This was a religious visit. They came to worship Him. They came to worship Him. Where was everyone else? Where were all the theologians and religious leaders that they left behind in Jerusalem? They knew the truth. They were ready with an answer, but they didn't believe it. They disregarded, these wise men disregarded the wishes of Herod and instead were obedient to the voice of God. They answered to the king of kings instead of Herod the king. And so they had served their purpose and they went home another way. Isn't it interesting that in a nation expecting a Messiah, the gospel is first proclaimed in Jerusalem by Gentiles. Where is he that's been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. What can we learn from this story, and how can we apply it to seeking the Savior ourselves? Well, first of all, have you met the Savior? Do you know the one that came lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins, taking your penalty, rose again three days later from the grave, and now offers you eternal life and forgiveness of all your sins. Do you know Him? Have you ever called on Christ for salvation? Have you ever received the free gift of eternal life that God has secured for you? God has wrapped your present. If you'll follow me with the illustration here, don't, don't let me lose you here. Wrapped your present and put it under the tree. Have you ever opened it? Have you? Because none of my kids let us a Christmas go by without opening all the presents. Yet there are millions, if not billions, of people in the world today that have never received the free gift of eternal life. Their name is on it. It's ready for them. Have you ever received the Savior? And if you have... You and I are not called to just bide our time till He comes. We're called to live our lives abundantly, to serve Him faithfully, to know Him intimately, and to be affected profoundly by our knowledge of Him on a moment-by-moment, day-to-day basis. You can react negatively to the world around you with doubt and discouragement and anger and, and fear and anxiety and bitterness and resentment, or... You can react spiritually with joy and with confidence in Christ. You can move deeper in your walk with Him and you can say with the psalmist in Psalm 119, verse 71, it's good for me that I've been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. For a Christian, this year could have been your best year ever because of how much God taught you in it. Because of how much closer He brought you to Himself. And if you seek to know Jesus more, every day is a glorious day. Philippians 3, and I'm almost done, says in verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those things I kind of lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. I don't know how in the world you could ever face 
the terrible situations and circumstances that life brings our way without the assurance that Christ gives us in His Word. I don't know how you could do that. And our message in 2024 is more vital than ever to share because there's people all around us that were doing pretty good, but now they're losing hope. And our testimony is more important than ever. Romans 13.11 says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Folks, the crazier it gets, and the longer Jesus tarries, the more steadfast we ought to be in our desire to know Him, and seek Him, and live for Him. As 2 Peter 3.14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace, without spot and blameless. Are you seeking the Savior this Christmas season? Because life is far better with Him than without. And Christian, not a day is wasted when you've spent it with your Lord. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. And what a joy it was to worship you together in song today. What a good day we've had in your house. And Lord, we do pray that our hope would be in you. Thank you for giving us that hope in Christ and sending him to be our Savior. Help us, Lord, to be salt and light in the world that you placed us in, that we might share that hope with others. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.